just thank you for our dear brother John. Lord, I thank you that you have uh, equipped him and, and blessed him with a word today to share with us. Father, I pray that you would fill him even now with your Holy Spirit, empower him and strengthen him. Father, that the words that he shares with us today would not be his words, not man's words, not man's wisdom, but Father, it would be the wisdom that flows down from your throne. Wisdom of God that might uh, penetrate our very hearts and even separating uh, our soul and spirit, God, that we'll not be able to turn from it, but we have to receive it in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters next door, the deaf, uh, our deaf brothers and sisters. Bless them and encourage them. Bless John, Lord, as he shares the gospel over there with our dear brothers up there, Lord. Bless them and encourage their hearts, Lord, that they may uh, be full of your Holy Spirit today. Help Jillian, Lord, and, 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 and uh, everyone who might be serving in that ministry today. Bless them, we pray. We, we're just so encouraged and so blessed by the presence of your Holy Spirit with us today, O oh God. We pray that you have full control now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to read to you from First uh, Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. We drop down to verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear, for you know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God, for all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. 
And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen. I love reading the Word of God. It's far better than my preaching. But I want to talk to you this morning about things that... Get it the right way up. Um, Come on, wake up. Oh, hang on, I haven't got it switched on, that's why. It's all right, it's simple. You can tell I work in IT, can't you? Right, now then. Right, good. <laughs> I want to talk to you this morning about things that perish and things that last. Okay. Um, I'm sure most of you know on one occasion Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children, big crowd of people. And the next day, a lot of that crowd were following him thinking that they were going to get free bread every day. And Jesus said this to them, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. What is the food that perishes? And more importantly, what is the food that endures, that lasts into eternity? Standing at the door this morning, Betty walked in and I greeted her and she said, being here today, this is my food. And Betty, you didn't know it, but I thought, thank God you've confirmed to me the, the word I'm going to share. Right, so Betty already knows something about the food that lasts. But let's think first of all about um, what is the food that's, that perishes? Well, you know, Jesus mentions one of them there, natural food perishes. You know, that, even that bread, that Jesus, bread and fish that Jesus produced miraculously, and there were 12 baskets left over, um, probably the disciples ate up, we don't know what happened to it, but uh, you know, if they hadn't have done, it would have gone bad, it would, it would have perished, and all food perishes, that's why it's got a, a sell-by date on it, a use-by date on it. Um, all sorts of other things um, fade and perish, these flowers looking pretty good, but uh, they, they're going to fade, you know, if somebody doesn't bring new ones in, um, and we had the same ones next week, they'll be dead. And uh, everything around us is perishing. So there's some things that are obvious. There's some things that it's less obvious that they're perishing. Now, in the world standard, if you wanted to talk about something that endures, something that lasts, silver and gold would be a good example of things that don't perish. It's amazing how God's standard is so different from the standard of the world. You know, because when the Bible wants to take an example of something that perishes, it talks about perishable things such as silver and gold. Isn't that amazing? You know, the very things that you know, men and women think, yeah, this is absolutely solid. You know, if, if you've got gold, if you, it, you know, that's the one thing that's going to endure. In fact, you might say to me, well, how can gold perish? Well, actually, if you go over into Peter's second letter, he talks about a day coming when it says that the present earth is going to be burnt up with fervent heat. Even the elements are going to melt. I think gold is one of the 26 or 29 elements that occur naturally in the earth. And Peter says a day is coming when even the elements are going to disappear. 
There is nothing that tangible around us today that isn't ultimately going to perish. You might think the church is looking in pretty good state. Um, that's because people work very hard to keep it like that, spend a lot of money when the roof is leaking. If you didn't do that, you know, come back in a few hundred years' time if Jesus hasn't returned first and see what state the, the building is in. Everything is perishing. But you know, there's something else that's perishing besides silver and gold that this chapter talks about. And it's something we all know is perishing, but we don't like to face up to it. It's you and me, these bodies. Actually, I'm a bit more aware of it than I used to be, but this is what we read just now. All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. So just like these flowers are going to die, it says all men are like that. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Right? So we too, these bodies, are perishing. As I say, a lot of people don't like to face up to that, and it's amazing people don't make any plans for what's going to happen when this body perishes, because although the body perishes, there is a life that's going to carry on, and we'll be talking about that. But we need to make plans for that. And uh, you know, some people can't, can't face up to the fact that life doesn't go on forever. Do you know when the Queen Mother died at age 101, Prince Charles said, I'm absolutely devastated. I thought she was going to go on forever. Well, that's a pretty naive view. And uh, <laughs> I hope you don't have that view about your life because we are not going to go on forever in the state that we are now. So that's some things that perish. But in the passage that I've read, it spoke about four things that don't perish. Okay, so that's what I want to bring to you this morning. I don't know if you noticed them as we read it, but I'll bring them out to you. Four things that don't perish. And the first one is our inheritance in heaven. We read there in 1 Peter 1 and verse 4, God has given us an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You see, where God dwells in heaven, it's not subject to, to the same decay as earth. It says it will never perish, spoil or fade. Jesus says, um, treasure in heaven, how does it start? Um, Lay up for yourselves tre treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does spoil it or corrupt it and thieves don't break in and steal anything. He says anything that's based in heaven, that's secure. That's not going to perish. Have you got something that's based in heaven this morning? Yeah, the Apostle Paul said... I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. He knew that he'd, he'd got something settled with God and that God was able to keep that thing safe, an inheritance that can never perish. And, uh, but then it says this inheritance is kept or reserved in heaven for you, for you, 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 you. It's kept for you. Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many rooms, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Again, do you, do you have that assurance today that there is a place kept there for you? If your response is, well, I hope that's true, that, that's not good enough. You can leave here this morning with an absolute assurance in your heart brought by the Holy Spirit that 
Whatever happens, your body will pass away, it will rot or it will be burnt up, whatever you're going to do with it. And, uh, but there is an inheritance that can never perish reserved in heaven for you. Hallelujah. Now, there's just one problem, though. Um, probably you've heard that old saying that, you know, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because it won't be perfect anymore. Well, actually, the same thing is true about heaven. You know, if I went to heaven, it's not going to be perfect anymore. It's going to spoil it. You know, if you went to heaven, every one of you, I'm sorry to insult you, but you know, if you went to heaven, you would spoil it. So something has got to be done you know, to make us fit to enter the place where God dwells. And there is something that can do that. And it's the, the second thing that this passage talks about will never perish. The blood of Jesus. 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19, you know it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but, so he's spoken about perishable things like silver and gold, and now he says but, so he's going to talk about something again that doesn't perish, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Oh, the precious blood of Christ. It, it, it is so precious. It is so wonderful. I can see smiles on some faces here because they know what, that that is the most wonderful and precious thing, that blood of Christ. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, that wasn't... Uh, a tragic accident, you know, because a few people got upset with him and uh, uh, persuaded the Romans to put him to death. The Bible says this had been planned before this planet even began. It says there, he, that's Christ, was chosen before the creation of the world. Right, so this plan that Jesus would shed his blood on Calvary 2,000 years ago, it was planned before this world started. And that's why, all the way through the Old Testament, you know, if you read the three quarters of the Bible that was written before Jesus came to earth, you'll find all the way through it, there are stories and pictures that point us to the fact that one day Jesus was going to come and die on a cross. So, for example, the first man and woman are in the Garden of Eden, they disobey God, and they try to cover up their shame with um, fig leaves, and our attempts to cover up our shame never works. And so when God comes walking in the garden, they hide. And Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked. Actually, he wasn't naked. He was covered with fig leaves. But you see, when God comes on the scene, the things that we use to cover up our sin doesn't, doesn't work. It might work with other people, but not with God. So what works with God? Well, it tells us at the end of that story that God clothed them with animal skins. How do you get animal skins? You've got to slay an animal. So right there in the Garden of Eden, blood was shed for the first time, and God took the skin of an animal, maybe a lamb, it doesn't tell us, and he used those skins to clothe Adam and Eve. That first sacrifice ever made was made by God himself, and the last effective sacrifice that was ever made was made by God himself when his son was on Calvary and God punished him there for our sin. 
But in between, all the way through the Old Testament, I say lots and lots of pictures on the night that the Israelites came out of Egypt. They were told to slay a, a lamb and to put the blood over the doorpost and round the door. Speaking of a day when Jesus Christ would become our Passover lamb, when the tabernacle was built, when the temple was built, again, offerings of blood time and time again. And God said in his word, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. But aren't you glad that you didn't have to bring a, a lamb or a bull or a pigeon or something to kill here this morning? It'd be quite a mess, wouldn't it? But uh, there's blood that has been shed once and for all, the precious, precious blood of Christ. So he was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was revealed, says Peter, in these last times. This had, it had actually happened you know, just a few years before Peter wrote this letter. He was there watching from a distance when Jesus hung on that cross. And uh, he says, this has happened for your sake. And 2,000 years later, I can say, it's happened for your sake. You know, what was prophesied and shown in pictures in the Old Testament, we have lived to actually see it happen that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And as he hung on that cross, the thief next to him turns around to him and says, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And the blood that Jesus shed cleansed that man from all his sin. After Jesus died, a Roman centurion said, surely this was the Son of God. And he rejoiced as he said it because somehow he knew that he too, his sins, have been forgiven. The precious blood of Jesus but what about us 2,000 years later? Does that blood still work? Yes, it does. Hebrews chapter 10, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. That word new that's used in that verse there isn't used anywhere else in the New Testament. It's not the normal Greek word for new, but it actually the root meaning of the word is freshly killed freshly slain, right? So we enter by the blood of Jesus by a freshly slain and living way. Today Jesus is in heaven. The Bible says he has entered into the holy place presenting his blood on our behalf. And the Bible says it's as if he shed that blood yesterday. It's as fresh and powerful today as it was when he shed it on the cross and the thief was cleansed, the Roman centurion was cleansed, many others were cleansed in those early days and 2,000 years later, people in Golding Church, Loughton, are being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I wouldn't stand before you this morning unless I knew that I was cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I wouldn't talk about an inheritance in heaven unless I knew that the blood of Jesus makes me acceptable to God that just as Jesus, as our forerunner, has gone into that most holy place, we can follow him. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And we can follow, trusting in the blood that he shed and the blood that he presented there. Hallelujah. A guy called William Cowper wrote a wonderful hymn that uh, speaks about the past, present and future effects of that blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. 
the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sin away. I do believe, I will believe, that Jesus died for me, that on the cross he shed his blood from sin to set me free. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Glory to God. I, I read about a, um, an open-air meeting in, in America, sorry, Jim, um, a few years ago where um, a preacher was, in effect, sort of denigrating the, the message of the blood of Jesus and saying, we, we don't want to talk about that anymore. And a little lady in the crowd started singing that verse I've just quoted, Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood will never lose its power. And lots of other people in the crowd started singing until the man's voice was drowned out. Thank God. Oh, and then there's one more verse. There, since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. The precious blood of Jesus. One more thing to say about it, though, that again is in this chapter. Does the fact that Jesus shed his blood to forgive your sin and to give you access into heaven, does that mean you can live just as you like? That you say, I can just do anything I like and the blood of Jesus will cleanse me. The Bible knows nothing about such talk. And in this chapter, he starts off, you were chosen to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Now, however obedient you are, we're never in this life going to reach perfection, so we're still going to need the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. But you know, the blood of Jesus isn't there for people that are deliberately disobedient, are going to say, well, I'm going to live my life utterly how I choose. I'm going to sleep with who I choose. I'm going to, um, do, I'm going to steal. I'm going to swear. I'm going to do whatever I like because it's my life. I can do what I like with it. That is not the way a Christian lives. We were chosen to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. The blood of Jesus isn't for the disobedient, it's for those whose basic attitude is to be obedient, but may sometimes fall, and then the blood cleanses us. So, we have an inheritance in heaven that will never perish. The blood of Jesus and its power will never perish. The third thing this chapter talks about is the word of God. For you have been born again, says Peter, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. We've already quoted that to say that's what we're like. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Do you know when Jesus was on earth, he said, I'll just keep you in suspense as to what he said. He said, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. What an absolutely incredible saying. Yeah, just think about it. Yeah, if I said to you this morning, yeah, what I'm saying here today, these words are never going to pass away. Well, the things I'm saying from the Bible won't. But yeah, if I was saying that about my own words you'd think he's, he's pretty arrogant to, to say that. 
Jesus said that. Yeah, either he was very arrogant or he was deluded or he was telling the truth. He was telling the truth. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, said Jesus, will never pass away. When I was 11 years old, the Beatles were at the height of their fame and John Lennon said something that was very made big news at the time. He said, Christianity is declining, he said, and we, the Beatles, are now more popular than Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was 1966 when he said that. Um, I take it everybody here has heard of the Beatles. I won't embarrass you by... There may even be somebody here who hasn't, but yeah, there's plenty of places in the world where people haven't heard of the Beatles. And there are places in the world where they haven't heard of Jesus Christ, but not so many. There are places in the world where they are still playing Beatles songs. Not all that many. But all over the world, people are anxious to get this book because they realise this is something that endures. The words that are in this book, you know, it will go through every sort of craze, you know, whether it's of music or fashion or whatever. It stands the test of time. It's the living, it's the imperishable word of God. And because people have believed that, they've given their life for it. Do you know in this country, I'm not talking about some far-flung place, in this country, people have given their lives because they believed in the Word of God. And the governments or the, um, whoever, the Catholic Church at the time were saying, no, you, know, you can't have this book in English, you can only read it in Latin and only priests can understand what it says. It's not for common people like you and me. And people that believed that in this country and that translated it into English and made efforts to get it printed and get it spread so that we could have it today, Some of those people lost their lives. I hope you value that book because of it. All around the world today, there are people that would give anything to get just a part of God's word. I have here, carefully preserved, this is a part of the New Testament, written out by hand, beautifully done in Chinese. Where, in many parts of China, Christians cannot get Bibles and uh, maybe they have one to share between sort of 50 people so they share it around between and and in the few hours that somebody has it, they will copy it out. So they've got their own copy of it. You can have a look at this afterwards if you like. You might say, well, why have I got it? In a way, I'd rather not have it because there's people in China that would like to have this. But um, when my wife took in a few years ago dozens and dozens of printed Bibles in Chinese, and they wanted to um, show their gratitude, they insisted that she took that away to show people in the West and say, yeah, that's why we need people to bring the scriptures in, because this is what we're doing. But they, if they don't have it, they will carry on, you know, copying it out. You know, people will get hold of, of one verse and just meditate on that day and night because they know this is something that will hold them through everything. Oh, the word of God is so precious, so powerful. What are we doing about it? You know, we can uh, listen to you know, stories like that and think, oh, that, that's exciting. You know, it's good to hear about those Christians in China doing that. But we've got dozens of copies of this. You know, I can see some copies on, on the back there. If you haven't got a copy of your own, we'll gladly give you one. But you know, some of you may have several copies in your own home. 
What are you doing about it? Peter tells us what we should be doing about it. He says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. If Peter wanted to give an expression of intense longing, I don't think you could come up with anything more powerful than that of a newborn baby craving for milk. Okay, you mothers know, right? The, yeah, the baby's not, hardly been born and it's crying, what does it want? Milk. Yeah, and then a few hours later, what's it want? Milk. And you think, right, it's satisfied now, maybe I'll get some rest. A few hours later, what's milk? Yeah, have you ever known a baby after about sort of four feeds say, I'm fed up with milk, give me some strawberry milkshake or a Coke for a change? All it wants is milk. It's enough. I tell you, this book is enough. Now, we can study it at all sorts of levels. And in fact, in another scripture, it talks about it's time to move on from milk and uh, be looking at meat. Um, But it's all in this book. We don't need anything else. Whereas a lot of people are saying today, it's it's not enough. It it doesn't answer all the sort of uh, situations we're dealing with today. That's maybe because people haven't read it. Yeah, they've just picked out verses here and there. But, you know, if you will so long for this word that says, Psalm 1 says, yeah, how blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. In that law he meditates day and night. I wish I was in that place, but I want to be in that place because I tell you what, this is, these things I'm talking about this morning, they're more valuable than anything that you've set your heart on. You know, your, your holiday, your new kitchen, your, your new car, whatever it is. All those things are going to pass away. These things are going to last forever. So, our inheritance in heaven, the blood of Jesus, the word of God, those are three imperishable things. There's a fourth one mentioned in this chapter, and it's a real surprise. You might think, yeah, what, what could come alongside those things? You know, heaven, the blood of Jesus, the word of God. You know, it's got to be something you know, really, really dynamic. What, what could that fourth thing be? Our faith. <laughs> you think, what? <laughs> my, my faith is so weak and poor. You know, how could you ever compare my faith you know, with, with these other things you've talked about? Well... Let's see what it says. Make sure I'm not just making it up. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. So again, he makes this comparison with gold that perishes. And he says, but your faith, even though it goes through trials, is going to make it through to result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ comes back to this planet again. Boy, isn't that amazing? I haven't seen anyone fall off their chair, but uh, I, think that's pretty, I think that's pretty amazing that, you know, that the Bible should talk about our faith alongside these other things. But notice that it's talking here about faith that is tested, faith that goes through trials. You see, the thing is, because we think that our faith is so weak, 
and uh, we, we like to sort of wrap it up in cotton wool and uh, put it in a sort of a, a glass case and not do too much with it. And we think that that way it might last. Actually, that way it won't last. That way it will die, right? It's just like muscles. I don't have many of them, but uh, <laughs> you know, they have to be flexed and used to build them up. When I came out of hospital earlier this year, you know, I could hardly walk a step, and my wife sort of pushed me every day, you know, get up and just walk down the road. And uh, I thought, I'm never going to make it to the end of the road, but uh, oh, soon I did. Soon I could run around the block if I wanted to, but I don't. Right. So, you know, faith is like that. It's, it's got to be used. And, uh, and it's amazing when you use it. You find it's much stronger than you thought. When you keep it wrapped in cotton wool, you think it's not very strong. But when you use it, you find it's amazing. Because actually, it's not your faith. Faith is the gift of God. Like that's why it can be put alongside these other things. It's not something that you muster up. It's something that is given when a person repents and asks that the blood of Jesus will cleanse them from sin. Right Then, God, God puts that gift of faith within them to believe and to keep on believing and to live out this Christian life. You know, I've known many people in this country but, and more so in other countries who have gone through incredible trials and their faith has just been so strong. You think, that's amazing. Yeah, I remember the first time I travelled behind the Iron Curtain when it was still, the Iron Curtain was still there, and we met a man in what was then called Czechoslovakia who'd been in prison for 23 years, right, for printing Bibles un un underground. I don't mean literally underground, but, you know, I mean secretly. So that he, because he believed that this book was going to endure longer than the communist regime in Czechoslovakia. He believed that that book had a message that went on for eternity. So he was willing to get himself in trouble printing um, Bibles and Christian literature secretly, but he was found out and he spent 23 years in prison. When we met him, I think he'd only been out for about a year. You think he was lying low? No, not a bit of it. He was doing exactly the same thing again. His faith was stronger than ever. Think he was weakened by those 23 years? No. He said, we've got to get the word of God out Why there's time, Why there's opportunity. I could tell you so many, many stories, but... Um, uh, Jim said we're having a short meeting today and the long-winded people aren't here. So, um, but, you know, that's the thing about faith. It's not as fragile as we think, but we have to use it. And when we use it, we will find amazing things happen. So, imperishable things, our inheritance in heaven, the blood of Jesus, the word of God, and our faith. Jesus said, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. So I hope you'll go away from here thinking it's worth sacrificing everything I've got. You know, and those, not that we don't, I mean, I'm going on holiday in a couple of weeks and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but, uh, you know, even if we lost everything that we had, even if we lost material possessions, if we lost people that are precious to us, we have something that endures into life eternal. And Jesus said that's worth giving everything for. I wonder if there's anybody here today that's never made the first step of asking Jesus to cleanse you from your sin 
and saying, I want to repent of my sin. I want to turn away from that way of life and I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. If that's the case, please come and talk to Jim or me or any of these smiling people you see around. There's many people here that could help you. But let's just pray together and then um, you're going to come up as well. Good, good man, but let's pray. Father, we just thank you that your word does endure forever. Lord, what a privilege to share it today. Lord, what a privilege to uh, share things that, Lord, I know aren't just my thoughts because that would just be a waste of time. But Lord, I believe with all my heart these things aren't a waste of time. Lord, these are things that last forever. And I pray that every person here today might be secure and assured in that knowledge. Father, we, I pray, Lord, for those who are struggling in their faith, Lord, and who think, I'm not sure I can hold on anymore. I pray, give them the assurance today that faith is the gift of God and that if they will but use it, if they will but stand in faith, they will find that God will hold them up. Indeed, I say that to you. God will hold you up. Just rest in him. Rest in his assurance, and he will carry you through. He will hold you up. So, Father, we just bless you and thank you. We want to say with Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all these wonderful things. In Jesus' name, amen.